Welcome to the Dome Dog Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Britz, and today's show is about transfers. Who are my top five transfers in Syracuse history and why? Also, are transfers good for the program? Do they alienate the certain guys who are developing? Why I ask that question is because one of the members of the Dome Dog Podcast Facebook group and I were messaging the other day about this very subject. And I'm going to take it to modern day. Well, Alan Griffin definitely was impactful in my eyes. If it wasn't for Griffin, there's no way Syracuse would have made the NCAA tournament. He had some big games, some big shots. But down the stretch, Braswell seemed to fit the mold better for the Syracuse team. And he played more. Kind of playing under control and and better for the team. Makes me wonder, did Braswell assume he was going to start coming into the season? And maybe Griffin would come off the bench because really Griffin wasn't a true four. He's more of a guard. So could that whole situation have been managed better by Coach Beheim? I've talked about that other podcast, and I think the answer to that is also yes. But it kind of begs the question of when you bring a transfer in, do they have to have a certain mold? Should they be a superstar? Should they be a guy that could develop into one? Should they be strictly role players? I want to talk about the five guys I thought were very impactful for Syracuse. I'm going to go in chronological order. First guy for me was Ryan Blackwell, transferred from Illinois. He played at Syracuse from 97 to 2000, played three seasons, career, 11.8 points per game, 7.8 rebounds, 2.6 assists. A solid player who played within himself. Wasn't that aggressive at times. He just kind of quietly had good games all around. Could rebound, could hit 15 footers, mid range jumpers. At times, Jim Baham had said, I wish he was more aggressive. And I, I kind of felt the same way. He could have scored in different ways. But one thing he did that was great, he hit a buzzer beater in the 98 Big East tournament against St. John's. The ball had rolled to him. He picked it up. He hit it. Buzzer beater. Syracuse wins in overtime, 69-67. And that was memorable because those Big East tournaments were just so much fun. And anytime Syracuse beat St. John's in the Garden, it was great. I watched it with one of my friends. He was a big St. John's fan. It was just great to be there and say, hey, Q's got this one. So he was impactful to me because he just played within himself. He could hit shots when you needed him to. And he didn't care more or less if he got the ball all the time or not. And kind of an important player and kind of what I'm I'm getting at with these transfers is Maybe guys that come in that aren't superstars to start, but kind of make their way in there. I'll talk about one later that's more of a superstar, but I'm still going in order here. So Jason Sapola transferred to Tallahassee Community College, played from Syracuse from 95 to 97, averaged 10.2 points per game, around three rebounds, about two assists, 35% from three, but he could get hot from three-point shooting. But one shot he made that put him on the map in Syracuse history. Sweet 16 against Georgia, 1996. Syracuse down by two. John Wallace makes this long pass, lofty pass. Sapola gets it in the corner, kind of composes himself, shoots it, fading away, falls down, goes in. Syracuse goes to overtime with Georgia, wins that game, beats Kansas, beats Mississippi State, unfortunately loses to Kentucky in the championship. But... Never would have happened if it wasn't for Sapola's shot. So another guy that kind of came in and, you know, he had 
decent stats, but he wasn't trying to be the number one guy and kind of fit the mold. The next player I was talking about who was a superstar from the start was Wes Johnson. Only played at Syracuse for one season, 09-10 team. He led the team with 16.5 points per game, 8.5 rebounds, 2 blocks. He shot 50% from the field, 42% from 3. You could just tell this guy was a stud from the second I saw him. He was long, 6'8", 6'9". He could kind of do a little bit of everything. Rebound, block, jump, shoot from the outside. Unfortunately, Syracuse lost in the Sweet 16 against Butler. And in that game, he had 17 points. 6 of 10 shooting. And he was another guy that I thought at points could be more aggressive. You know, say, well, he averaged 16 points, over 16 points a game and almost 9 rebounds a game. What do you mean he wasn't aggressive? If you watch his games, he was kind of one of those guys that would score 20 points that you wouldn't even notice. It'd just be, you know, he'd find a, a, a rebound or a couple foul shots or he'd make some shots, but they, they weren't so boisterous at times. And I guess in the Butler game, I felt like, he should have got the ball way more because Butler could not guard him. Neither could a lot of teams, but he ended up going to the pros and playing nine, ten seasons. Last I saw, he was playing in Greece last season. Won a Greek, Greek championship. So he was a stud from the start and a pro. He was the exception to my four other guys that I thought kind of melted their way into the lineup. The next guy was Michael Benajay. Played at Duke for a season. Played at Syracuse in 2013 2016. His senior season, he averaged 17.5 points per game. He was really the catalyst in the NCAA tournament run. And if you remember, against Gonzaga, he missed a shot, got his own rebound, put it back in, and that put Syracuse ahead for the win, pretty much. And there were countless other times where he made some huge shots that put Syracuse even close to making the NCAA tournament. That team went to the Final Four and lost to North Carolina, but they were a 10th seed. That was that huge comeback against Virginia in the Final Eight that almost every broadcast talks about when Syracuse plays Virginia. And that's why I thought he was impactful. Benajay kind of made his way to being the star. He you know, he didn't score a ton coming in, didn't average a ton, but I guess Jim Beheim and and Krzyzewski had talked and said, I've got a perfect player for you to play the zone. Coach K was right, but he didn't know that Syracuse would end up playing in the ACC against him. So I'm sure he didn't like that, but... Benajay was a nice guy. He, he played well. He made some big shots. And I think, as I said, he, he made his way into the lineup. And then the last transfer that I thought was very impactful was Elijah Hughes. He played one season at East Carolina. played Syracuse from 2018 to 2020. And his senior year, he averaged 16.3 points per game. Four and a half rebounds. A little over two assists. And he shot 36% from three. And if you remember... That last game he played, that last game Syracuse played, where they just destroyed North Carolina, and he scored 27 points, and he was just bombing threes, making tough shots. But the one shot that was most impactful for me was that three-quarter court shot against Duke in Cameron. They ended up winning that game. That was when Zion Williamson was there, and Dolajai took that famous charge. But that was just a huge shot. And I thought to myself, just needs to get his chance. And when Battle left, and it became, he was the number one guy. I mean, he was just a tough player. He could make the mid-range jump shot, step back, threes, he could drive. He's got himself a spot on the NBA roster right now with the Utah Jazz, and I think eventually he'll get some more playing time. Speaking of playing time, Syracuse has three more transfers coming in this next season. Samira Torrance from Marquette, 
a point guard. Cole Swider, swingman from Villanova. Jimmy Beheim, swingman as well from Cornell. Now, the first two guys, I believe, can kind of melt their way into the lineup, find a role, get some playing time, get some numbers, nothing gaudy at first, but maybe make a way for themselves, kind of like four of the five transfers I mentioned in this podcast earlier. Jimmy Beheim to me, is the big wild card in so many ways because he hasn't played in two seasons. He led his team in scoring at Cornell. He's the coach's son, second coach's son on the team. He's Buddy's older brother, and from watching him and hearing him talk, he's very confident. And I don't want that to screw with Buddy's confidence because Buddy's confidence was at an all-time high last year towards the end because of what he did in the NCAA tournament. So that dynamic will be interesting. And how will Jim Beheim, the coach, manage not just three new transfers, but one who's his son? A lot of questions for the Syracuse Orange in this offseason. Who's in? Who's out? Who's moving on? And speaking of moving, the Dome Dog Podcast is brought to you by Mike's Moving Company. Mike has experience moving all his kids in the continental U.S. with great success. So much so that his back hurts. Code word, aspirin. That's all I got for the Dome Dog Podcast today. Leave me a comment in the Facebook group, some content, a video, audio, anything. I want to hear from you. Talk to you soon. Bye.